0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life, a radio ministry of the International Mission, Church Partnership Evangelism, and its Associate Fellowship, the Bread of Life Church in Boise, Idaho. To learn more about how God is using us to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and planting churches around the world, go to traincpe.org. And to learn more about our local church fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. There was an accusation against Paul's teaching of justification by faith. It was that this had the effect of nullifying the law. His teaching was accused of being like a get-out-of-jail-free card that would cause everyone to ignore the law and its importance as a testimony to the moral life, and a warning against an immoral life, and a command to do what was right and not what was wrong. Paul says that accusation is nonsense. The faith of the Christian leads not to deny the law, but to establish it, to set it down most clearly. Now, we must ask from Romans 3.31, how is it that the Christian, by faith in Christ alone for their salvation, establishes God's law? There you go. Those are the accusations, either way that you look at it. The Christian doctrine of salvation through faith alone, by grace alone, and Christ alone, according to these naysayers, denies the testimony of the law of all of Scripture. It wipes out the convicting and constraining nature of the law and makes Christians dangerous to others. And it turns you into lawless people who don't live and think that you're aloof or living above the commands of God question asked by the commentators, again, is which one of these references is being referred to? Is Paul combating an accusation that we're pulling ourselves out of the narrative of Scripture? Is Paul being accused that we're denying the constraining influence of the law? Or is Paul answering an accusation that we think we're above the moral law? And the answer to that question is, we don't know. (laughs) This passage isn't clear. It doesn't tell us. Paul is not clear on exactly what he is dressing with. But what you look at, if you understand this passage, and you look at the book of Romans, you'll see that it answers all three accusations. The book of Romans is written in such a way that the context of this book, if we choose all one or another, it doesn't put us in conflict with anything that Paul says here. There's no contradictions here. So you'll see that Paul answers in chapters 4 and chapters 9 through 11, The idea that we are removing ourselves from the testimony of Scripture and you'll see that in chapters 2 and 3 and in chapters 5 Paul is addressing this idea that we are denying the convicting work of the scriptures just the opposite the scriptures do their convicting work on our lives they bring us under conviction of sin and guilt and then they show us where that guilt is answered or you'll see in Chapters six and eight that Paul is going to write in such a way that he shows that this life of faith answers and affirms the commandments of the law as well and its commanding influence upon our life. And so actually, let's say this. Since we don't see there's a contradiction in any of these views and we see that they all fully complement one another and God is the author of scripture and he can make things as clear as he wants to make them and he's made a statement that would include all three of these views, let's include all three of these views let's say that all three apply and there's an answer for all three of those accusations in this wonderful truth that faith our christian faith actually affirms or sets forward or it establishes the law here's the point the christian and new testament teaching and belief that we are justified by faith apart from works of the law does not nullify the testimony of old testament scripture Or places outside of its narrative it does not nullify the restraining work of the law bearing in upon our consciences and so undermine the constraints of conscience that allow us to live in harmony with others and with God and again the teaching that we are saved by faith alone in Christ alone without works does not in a sense make us aloof from the very commands that God has given us it doesn't make us and separate us from them in any way and so that's what we're gonna look at this morning very quickly so first Let's look at this idea. If the law here means the Old Testament scriptures, let us say that our faith teaches us that Jesus is the fulfillment of all that it anticipates. That Jesus Christ himself is the fulfillment of all that it anticipates. The, The scriptures and the testimony of all the Old Testament scripture congeals around the accounts of man's continual sin and the provision that God puts in place in order to address our sins, in order that we might come to Him and receive the benefits of all His promises. And that's basically the ongoing story. Along these lines, the law, the testimony, all the Old Testament Scripture is showing to Israel the way in which He is constantly calling them back to Himself, reaffirming His promises that they can live under if they will receive His way of salvation. And so God opens up for them the sacrificial system in which they are to learn how they are to come near to him and God gives promises of a king that would rule over them if they would submit to him and God sends prophets to them to teach them and instruct them in his way and his law and his word and his truth it was introducing people to this way of God in types and in object lessons and God was throughout all of the old testament scriptures stoking in people an anticipation for the salvation that he was to bring upon the earth And when Jesus came, he answered all the types. He lived out and gave bearing to all the object lessons of Scripture. And he expressed the fullness of the salvation that all of Scripture was pointing to. So that the law or the Scripture that God gave to Israel was completely and totally fulfilled in Christ. Our faith basically says everything in the Old Testament is answered and kept in Jesus. The law of testimony then meets the whole of the Old Testament revelation. And the accusation is that saying that we're saved by faith destroys that story and somehow makes void that book and takes us out of the narrative and the flow of that truth and divides us away from people by giving a made-up history. We would say just the opposite, that God has raised us up and God has taught, as God taught the nation of Israel, to prize the temple and to prize the sacrificial system and to prize the life of holiness and purity that he was teaching and to prize the idea of living and not being defiled by sin. God has answered all of those things that he was directing and teaching them through Jesus Christ because he is the temple and he is the fulfillment of all the sacrifices and he is the high priest and he is the prophet who brings us the law and he is the law and he is the governing power of truth And he is the king, and our faith sets down upon all that he is in answer to all that the law was teaching. We have been brought to the pinnacle of it. And we look back upon it and say, thank you, God, for all these things, because they lead us to Christ. We're a part of that narrative. And Jesus was saying the same thing. In John chapter 5, verses 39 and 40, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. But you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. We've come to him we've come to him we followed the narrative we followed the story we can see it in our own life we can see in our own narrative how God was in a sense through our own lives we were a living illustration of the exceeding sinfulness was repeated over and over again throughout the Old Testament and how God was continually coming to us and God was making promises known to us and revealing himself to us and we lived in rebellion to him but he showed us a way and he gave us a lamb and he fulfilled the promises and a way for us to be forgiven, and one to represent us before God, and he continued to renew his promises to us in his prophetic word, and he still does today, and we're a part of that story. It's a part of our life. It's a part of our narrative. Here's another one. Second, if the law is being referred to here merely as the convicting agent that restrains sin, we're to see that we have followed that message of the law completely, and it's brought before us our complete guilt And it's driven us away from every solution we've sought for that guilt, except for God's answer. It's driven us to the place where God provides an answer for all of our guilt. It's driven us to the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross of Jesus Christ, the very message in where our sin is answered, reveals our sin and our need. The law is good because the law declared us guilty and the law brought us under judgment. And so the law awakened us to our true spiritual condition and our need for forgiveness and our need for escape and rescue from judgment. The law's function was to be a tutor to lead us to God's answer. It was to show us that we are failing in the grade of righteousness and to turn us away from self-righteous confidence and to seek a salvation that comes from God alone, by faith alone. It, It convicts us. It shows us our sin and our failings. Paul talks about this idea in Galatians chapter 3. Take your Bibles and go to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3 verses 22 and through 25. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. We were restrained by its influence upon our conscience, kept for faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we're no longer under the tutor. We're no longer under, in a sense, the constant, repetitive drumbeat that our sins are identified and our fallenness is simply identified in our failure to keep the law. In fact, actually what's happened is not that we don't recognize our sinfulness. Our gauge to recognize and see our sinfulness now is not in the law that condemned us and brought its judgment against us, but in the one who bore that condemnation for us. You want to understand your sinfulness. We no longer look to the law to say, oh, here's the law and I don't measure up. We look to the cross and we see the one who died for us. And we see the measure of our sin in his marred visage, in his face. He died for me. He bore the consequence of my sin. You want me to tell you how sinful I am? Look to the cross. Look to the perfect sinless son who died. And he bears it upon my conscience and calls me to a life in conformity to God's will that never could be accomplished by simply weighing myself by my performance or my lack of performance before the moral law. I thank God for that conviction of the conscience. I thank God that he used that to stir up within my mind and understanding that I'm not righteous in myself. But in that sin and in that brokenness, he brought me to the cross where Christ suffered on my behalf for my sins. And in seeing Christ, I not only saw the source of my forgiveness from my sins, but I saw my sins. And I still do. I still do. You listen to the hymenity of the church and the Christian faith. And the Christian faith will not go to the law to account for our sinfulness. We'll go to the cross. It won't go to the law because we can see our sin in the law, but we see no answer for our sins in the law. We go to the cross and we see our sins as never before, but at the same time in the cross, we see an answer that the law could never give us. The law was meant to bring us to the point of stirring up our sense of sin in order to bring us to the cross where the sin was answered. But there in the cross, oh, there in the cross, I see my sin. I see my sin as I never saw it in the law. And so we learned to sing. I take, O cross, thy shadow is my abiding place. I ask no other sunshine than the sunshine of his face, content to let the world go by to know no gain or loss, my sinful self, my only shame, my glory, all the cross. Thanks for joining us today. Before we sign off, I want to remind you of a ministry website that we've developed called testyourtestimony.com. Our concern is that there are many in our churches that do not have a true, born-again relationship with the Lord Jesus, and so face the prospect of His rejection and judgment on the last day. Our pity for these has made us develop a site where a person can apply the command of 2 Corinthians 13.5 to test themselves and see whether they are in the faith. Please go to that site and prayerfully consider someone else that you can share it with. For now, we look forward to being with you again at the Bread of Life. Till then, may God bless you.